You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. On today's show, we are going to talk about news. There's some really big news with basketball that I want to jump into, along with uh, COVID news that you're going to want to hear about fan attendance. We're also going to jump into the viewer mailbag, or actually the listener mailbag, because this is a podcast. The response from you, the listeners, has been uh, astounding. There were so many different uh, questions and comments that it's going to probably take me two segments to get through that. But I'll have a little bonus if I do not fill up two segments with the viewer mailbag, listener mailbag. So definitely check that out. Let's kick it off with the news. To start this off, uh, Rich Kelly, the guard from Boston College who transferred from Quinnipiac earlier this year, has already announced that his season is over and that he is planning on transferring at the end of this year. Now, Kelly was a polarizing figure. When I first watched him, he didn't strike me as an ACC-level guard. He, he just seemed kind of slow. Um, if his shot wasn't there, he didn't, you know, like those first couple games, he didn't look like he was in his element with the Eagles. But I have to give him credit. By the end of the season, Rich Kelly had become one of the better players on Boston College and one of the more exciting players to watch. And especially after COVID kind of ripped that roster apart, Kelly really played a big role on that team. You know, he averaged 11 points a game. He was shooting 41% from the floor. And he was the kind of guy that could just knock down a shot from all over the court. Now, his big game came in Boston College's only ACC win against Miami when he scored 27 points on 7 of 12 shooting from three-point range. Honestly, all in all, it's not that big of a deal. I didn't even expect Rich Kelly to come back next year. But again, it's starting to show that Scott Spinelli's deck is going to be a little shorthanded when he plays against Notre Dame on Saturday. So Kelly is gone. He's got a foot injury as well, so he's going to miss the rest of the year. Uh, but on top of that, we had Winston Tabs, which we talked about in another episode. He's gone. So two of your four top guards are gone. That means your depth chart, even without COVID issues, is going to be incredibly low against Notre Dame, a team that desperately needs to win uh, to keep into the NCAA picture. So uh, Boston College, I'm not even going to get into a preview for Saturday's game because honestly, at this point of the season, who cares? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like, who cares about BC basketball in that sense? Like, the season, I, I, I keep forgetting the season's still going on for basketball for BC. It just seems like it should have been over when Christian was fired and then they just, you know, worked on the new coaching search. But it's still going. There's this game, and I believe there's at least one or two more. So, you know... Just maybe they'll pull off a, a fun win here or there, but uh, I'm not expecting much. I'm not going to jump into a preview because honestly, I don't even know what the team's going to look like when they take the court on, on Saturday. But good luck to them. You know, it's it's a tough end for players like Steph Mitchell, you know, who's played so hard over the years. And this will probably be his last year. And depending, I mean, he could always come back. And re remember, you know, R Rich Kelly's getting another year as a grad student somewhere else because this year doesn't count for any of these players. So if Steph Mitchell wants to come back because he likes the new coach coming from Boston College, maybe he will get another year next year. We don't know. So that's the news. Rich Kelly is gone. Hockey this weekend will be playing against UMass in a one-game series at Kelly Rink 
and Chestnut Hill on Friday at 7 p.m. The game uh, will be on Nesson Plus, so if you have Nesson, you can check that game out. It's a big game. UMass is seventh, uh, sorry, third in Hockey East, while BC is number one with just a slight lead over BU. So this not only matters in terms of uh, BC versus UMass, which is obviously becoming a, a pretty big rivalry in, in college hockey, but BC needs to hold their lead over the, over the Terriers. So we'll have to watch that. Now, BC has already played UMass uh, a couple times this year. And they BC won both games. They have a four-game winning streak against the Minutemen. But don't count out UMass. They've won three in a row and are unbeaten in their last five. So that means they had a tie in there as well. They're playing very well. Junior Bonnie, Bobby Trevino has 16 assists and 23 points. Got to watch out for that for him as a player. So it's going to be a big game. It's just a one-game series. So you're going to want to check that out. So UMass and BC. As I mentioned, BC Baseball is facing off against Duke this weekend in a three-game series. All those games are going to be on the ACC network. This is a big game for this. Like, you know, we've t- I t- when I talked to Dan Rubin about this earlier in the year, I said, you know, he talked about how every game is going to be a big one. This is already, like, right off the bat. You We finished with Charleston Southern. Now it's on to a top 25 team. Can this Boston College program battle a team that is playing very well? Now that's going to be a big one. So we got to see Ken, Mason Pelio, Emmett Sheehan, and whoever the third starter will be on Sunday. Will they be able to hold off against a, a team like Duke? And in this offense that was just dominant against Charleston Southern, how will they do against Duke's pitching staff? So we're going to watch because this is going to be a good barometer of how BC baseball is going to look for the remainder of the year. I mean, that, you know, you want to see them go on the road, play really strong and finish finish off the Blue Devils. So we'll watch. Uh, the games are all during the day tomorrow. Uh, today, the first game's at 3 p.m. If you have the ACC Network, I believe it's on the regular one and the other two on the ACC Network Extra, which I believe on most cable packages means you have to check it out on your computer. But hey, after last weekend, I'm not complaining. As long as we can watch the games, it's all that matters. The other big news was that in the state of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker and Catherine Perlito, the governor and lieutenant governor, announced today that they're having a plan to open back up um, baseball, football, and basketball hockey stadiums to limited capacity crowds. Now, this has been a big move. This kind of been in the works for a while. You saw New York and New Jersey recently announced that they're going to allow it. You know, you, if you're watching BC and Syracuse women's basketball, there might be fans there t- uh, tonight, if I remember correctly. But uh, in the state of Massachusetts, you're going to get at bat- baseball games. I think it was 7,000 at football th- stadium. It might be 10. Now that that obviously brings the next question. Now that they've opened up those stadiums, will alumni stadium be next? Now, I don't expect the spring game to open up for fans. Uh, just it, the timing doesn't work well. And, and, you know, basketball and hockey are also basically over. So you're not going to probably see them. But it really makes it sound like by the time uh, summer starts and, and the end of the um, summer begins when we get fall football, that Boston College may have fans again. Now, it's it's hard to see what, the actual capacity would be for for alumni stadium but if it's a, a limited capacity just say it's like 7000 that's still not as many as the students that want to go to these games so i'm not sure how they're going to figure this out now obviously this could all change this is very early and with vaccinations and uh, rates decreasing r- rapidly that number could jump up you could get more people in so say say by july 
the infection rate is, is at a level that, you know, and, and vaccinations have really kind of taken the bite out of COVID-19 that maybe by fall we'll be in a shape where we can have 50, 75 percent. Who knows what they'll be able to do. But for now, it's a positive sign that Boston College will have fans in the stadium. And Jeff Halfley, who's been dying, I heard him on the uh, the BC Heights podcast saying on game day, he's going to run through the mods to wake up fans to get them to the game. But he's going to get his fans. And I think that's going to take Boston College football to a whole new level. So you're going to want to check that out. Now, in a moment, we are going to chat and look at the listener mailbag. I have so many things that people brought up that want answers and I'm going to give them to you. But before we do, let's chat a little bit about betonline.ag. Do you like to put wagers on games? Are you into gambling? Football may be over, but college football, uh, college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality television. With real-time odds and props, you can anything you can imagine they have there. Head on over, and if you sign up with their free promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put 100 down, they're going to give you $50. Can't beat that. Now head on over to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's talk a little bit about Locked On Today. Today on Locked On Today podcast, rumors are swirling about how long Albert Pujols has left in baseball. Is he the best player of this generation? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. After talking about attendance at football games, I just miss going to Alumni Stadium. I have to say it. Now, I cover the team and I'll, I'll be more of the journalistic uh, point of view when I go to games again, but I'll, I'll definitely still have someone else cover a game here or there so I can take my son and my family to a game and watch because I miss I miss those summer day like those late summer days heading to Boston College, you know, grabbing food and a drink and then watching a game and 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 soaking in that atmosphere of fellow alumni. So I'm looking forward to that coming back. It, it kind of helped, you know. Again, like yesterday, I was talking about how the sun is getting rid of all the snow here in Massachusetts and it feels like spring. This was another like sign that like we're almost on the other end and it's exciting. So take care of yourself while we're doing that. Now it's time for the listener mailbag. And I want to thank everyone. And I mean, everyone who sent me messages. We've had tons and tons of emails and I'm going to try to get to them all, but what, if I forget, I apologize, but let's, let's start off and kick it into gear. My first question came from Rich Miranda, who wanted to know, are all of these candidates for the men basketball head coach opening real possibilities? In other words, how many of these are candidates that BC may have already had contact with versus candidates that have been speculated about because they could potentially be a fit? That's a million dollar question. Now, I there's a lot in that question. So he wants to know, how many of these BC coaches have they actually contacted versus, or versus are kind of high in the sky, pie in the sky type of things. Now this is hard because Pat Kraft has run a pretty quiet coaching search. Now I can tell you that they're, they're, they're casting a wide net because this is Boston college. And that's kind of how they have to do things. So it wouldn't surprise me if Boston college has contacted quite a few, like John Beeline, I would bet you that they've contacted him. Howard Isley, Mark Schmidt, I guarantee they probably have contacted both of them. Um, Kevin Willard, I've heard he was a big one, so it wouldn't surprise me. And I don't know if they've if they've reciprocated any of these conversations. That's that's stuff that the search firm or Pat Kraft would be able to answer. 
but I could tell you that I would bet money that he's, they've talked to most of those guys. Uh, now, some of the other big names, like people have mentioned like Rick Pitino and um, Quanzo Martin I saw and um, Chaka Smart. I don't think any of those guys have probably been contacted. I could, I could guarantee you Rick Pitino has not, and I know a lot of fans really want him here, but no, he, they have not. And even the the lower card, you could call them like the lower card coaches, the coaches that maybe they'd have to work down to get towards guys like Michael Micah Shrewsbury or um, John Becker. I bet they've contacted at least connected with them because I I have to imagine if if Pat Kraft has even the slightest interest in some of these coaches, he needs to kind of get a gauge on who's interested, who's not. And rule out some of these coaches that are not. So I, I imagine that most of these guys have had their name uh, called. So I think they're mostly all pretty realistic. Jack on Twitter wants to know, which position group is more of a concern, tight end or defensive line? That's a great question. And I'm going to say that I think the tight end position is a bigger concern at this point. I think Boston College has brought some talent in on the defensive line, and I think they're going to be uh, play a little better than you'd expect. So you're going to get Chibuzi and Wuka back. You're going to have Marcus Valdez, Brandon Barlow, and you'll have TJ Ram and probably some of these freshmen that are going to jump up and play right away. Add in some of the freshmen that you know you might expect, like Nito Ekpala, Donovan Azaraku. I think they're going to be fine at the tight end position. Now remember, I mean at the uh, defensive end position and defensive tackle. Now remember... This last recruiting class, BC did not get a single tight end. And they did not get any recruits at the tight end position in the transfer portal. So I have to put tight end as a bigger concern. Now, I've heard that Joey Lucchetti could become the next best big thing at at tight end. And I've heard the same thing about Charlie Gordon here. But they're so unproven. You know, we haven't seen either of them really do much at the collegiate level. Gordon here, we haven't seen at all. And, and Joey Lucchetti has been hit or miss, but under Steve Adazio's system. So I'm going to put tight end as a bigger concern. And that links into a question that I saw. I apologize. I don't even know who it was. I, I have like 15 different accounts where I got these mailbag questions. Someone asked me, and you can, you can, you can shout it out to me on Twitter. Um, are there any feelers out on in the tight end position in the transfer portal? Now, I had said earlier on the podcast in a previous episode that Boston College was pretty much done in the transfer portal. Jeff Halfley talked about it recently that he said that, you know, unless it's a guy that really fits their system, they're going to try to build things the right way. I I think they're done unless another player. I think basically what you're going to see in the transfer portal is the they will grab a guy if another player leaves. So right now, BC hasn't had another big name leave. You saw... Um, David Bailey lead, and then they brought in the, the running back from um, from West Virginia. So I don't see them grabbing a tight end. I think they're just going to go with what they have. Now, next on our mailbag, P. Letterman wants to know, why doesn't BC play local rivals in basketball at Northeastern, BU, Harvard, UMass, UNH, etc.? That's a great question. Now, many UMass fans wonder why Boston College has been ducking them. And Harvard, I think, has been kind of in that same boat for a while, too. And the the answer is Boston College has been trying recently to spread their wings in terms of playing teams from across the country, right? So you saw last year, you saw them play South Florida, St. Louis, Richmond, Cal. They were all over the country playing different teams. And that might be a recruiting thing, you know, to get more interest, to play 
you know, unique teams. I think they were trying to do all that. Now, that being said, I wish they would go back to the classic rivalries. I want to see the Battle of Commonwealth between BC and UMass. I, you know, even if BC loses, which, you know, last time they got smoked, I believe. Um, I think BC and UMass is a fun rivalry. It's a it's a good game. And, and you're right, you know, with Northeastern and BU and Harvard, these are games that would get, gather interest and really bring a lot of local local fans to watch these these games. More so than Boston College and you know, Washington State or whoever we played last year. You know, I, 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 I think if Pat Kraft was thinking about what he wants to do, I think next year when things get to a more normal scheduling system, the Boston College needs to go back to those Northeastern rivalry games. And, and add in, if you want marquee teams, you add UConn, you add Providence, you play URI again. And play those good teams because I think it's fun. I think they're fun and they're, it, it, it runs the gamut between uh, good programs and you know you can play like a northeastern who's a good team in vermont and then some of the teams like you know uvm or not uvm unh or maine that aren't as you know polished teams that boston college could still get wins against that's a great question thank you and i know you have a second question which i'm going to get to too is the mizzou game the most important game on our schedule so i have a cop-out answer to your question and yes but no so here's my, my, my answer. For Mizzou, yes, it's probably the most important game to, to before the season even starts, right? So right now, you're looking at that schedule and go, ooh, Mizzou, that's a pot, potential top 25 team out of conference. Can Jeff Halfley get a win against them? Big game right at the beginning of the season. Definitely big. However, and I've talked to Dan Rubin about this. We talk all the time offline about how the schedule itself evolves as the year goes on, right? So if you looked at last year before the season even started, you look at games like Louisville as a game that was like, oh, that's a definite loss. You put that in the loss column. However, by the end of the season, that was an, an, an automatic win. So teams adjust and shift. So right now, I'd say Mizzou is one of the biggest games on the schedule, right? But it could be one of the less important games after it's played. You might say, oh, that wasn't as big of a, a deal as it could have been. Um and maybe a game against, you know, like Wake Forest or Florida State ends up being the biggest game of the year. You know, it's hard to project that out. So my cop-out answer is yes now, but no, probably later. Now, in a moment, we're going to close up our mailbag. I have I have like five more questions to get to. I'm excited to answer even more th- questions from you, the viewers and listeners. So stay tuned. But before we do, let's talk about rejecting the screen. Another great podcast on the Boston, uh, the Locked On Network. Go behind the scenes of the games you love and all the sides of the story with Rejecting the Screens podcast. Each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stenko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Thank you all for all of your questions for today's listener mailbag. If you have more questions that you want, you can always DM me at LockedOnBC or at AJBlack underscore BC um, on Twitter. You can email me. Do whatever you like. You could send it to me on Instagram. I don't care. Um, and we'll be we'll do uh, mailbags at, at often um, to get your questions answered because I think you have some great things that maybe I hadn't even thought of. Next, we have Joe Wenger. Who wants to know, am I crazy or does basketball need to make an Adazio type hire? 
Hey, you're a lot of Boston College fans shuddering at that. A hire in which would take the team from the basement and a laughing stock to being respectable in the middle of the pack with some type of identity, so that in a few years we can make a halfly type hire to start competing in the tourney. Joe, I want to say yes, I do. And I know it's not a popular answer, but yes, you need a Steve Adazio type player. Coach, excuse me. But basketball could do it in a way... And if you listen to yesterday's podcast, I kind of talked about what they need to do. They need to basically do what you said, right? On yesterday's podcast, I said when I was talking about BC's vision of what they should become, it's that middle-of-the-road program for a while where they can kind of get a little better. And that's kind of what Adazio did with football. Now, Steve Adazio was a more of a likable person and not like, you know, running an offense that was boring and um, he's kind of gruff and and not likable in, in the media. He might have done, you know, fans might have been more receptive to him. Now, if you brought in a coach that could make Boston College a 500 borderline tourney team every year, Boston College fans would accept that. And if he was a little bit more savvy with people than Steve Adazio was, then I think Boston College basketball would be in good shape. And I and, and Joe, I totally agree with you. Like, get a coach that's established that can raise this profile of this team. Then you bring in a young coach. You bring in the Howard Isley. You bring in the Jared Dudley who can take over from there. And they can, you know, they'll have that basement already set up for them. Like, you know, they're already a 500 team. They can't, you know, unless they're a bad coach, they're going to not bottom out and they're going to be in good shape to continue building that program. So Joe, yes, I think a coach like you, you, you know, as much as we want our next coach to immediately make us, oh, they're 25 and eight in the, the three seed in the NCAA, that's, it takes time. And you need to build, this program is such a disaster right now that they need to build it back up from square one. And to get a coach like Steve Adazio, but more likable, is not the worst thing in the world. Oh, I found who asked me the tight end question. It was Peter Zapala on Twitter. He added me and it wasn't in my DMs. So I apologize. Peter, thank you for the question earlier. Now, my next question is an email that I received from Bill Cody. He said, first of all, I want to thank you for doing a daily podcast. It's great. And I enjoyed listening to it from the beginning. Also gave it a five-star review. Thank you, Bill. And if anyone else wants to to, to tell me that you like me, giving me a five-star review on um, Apple Podcasts is a huge thank you for me because this is a free podcast the one way you could say thank you to me and that you appreciate this is to give me a five-star review so his question on the heights podcast the other day coach halfley reiterated what he said multiple times before that he wants to stay at bc for a long time a lot of fans expect halfley to have some success with the football program then jump after three to five years which for the record would be fine if it meant success coughlin did this and jags tried I know every coach would probably say something similar when asked and fans can chalk it up to coach speak, but Halfley seems different and much more honest than most other coaches. He goes out of his way to talk about his desire to stay at BC long term and to build something lasting rather than win quick. Do you think Halfley will stay for longer than five years? Please say yes. So I was talking to someone on Twitter about this the other day, about whether this was coach speak or not. And I kind of have my view on where I think Halfley's brain is, right? So right now, Jeff Halfley, if, you know another program tried to poach him, he would most likely require, you know, he would be um, attractive to like a, another mid tier program, you know, like topping out with like a school like Wisconsin, but maybe like a Tennessee or, you know, you might have some of these like lower mid tier programs, like even like an NC state or, or a UVA or something like that. Maybe they would reach out. And I, I honestly believe that Jeff Halfley will say no to any of those schools. I think he'll stay here instead of going to a school that's kind of on the same footing. So like not a blue blood, not a top tier school, not a legacy program. 
if they're like just kind of in the middle of the road, not like a national contender, he'll he will stay at Boston College for those. However, if Jeff Halfley wins, like you know, he starts going top ten, you know, gets to a, a borderline playoff game, New Year's Six Bowl, you know, and, and say UCF, USC calls or Texas calls or Ohio, you know, Ryan Day gets poached and he ends up Ohio State calls, then that's a whole different story, and you know that would be Jeff Halfley leaving. But that would be, I I still think it's going to take like three or four years for him to do that. So it would be close to five years before he would even sniff getting into those programs. And then the NFL is the other big one. I still think deep down that Jeff Halfley could be an NFL coach, um, but he'd have to do a lot before that. So I think Jeff Halfley will be here five years plus. Um, I think he's definitely got it in him to continue to build this program. And I think he's genuine. I do think... He is not a, a BSer with that kind of stuff. I think that he's genuine, that he really likes the school, that he wants to stay here. And as long as he continues to get institutional support, which Boston College fans just shuddered, I think he will stay at Boston College and he'll be here for a while. So, But, you know, it all depends on how successful he is. If he continues to win, puts Boston College at the top of the ACC, those big schools are going to call quick. You know, Penn State may call, Michigan may call, and you, those are the schools that you're gonna have to worry for, about. I wouldn't worry about, you know, Penn, uh, Penn, not Penn State, Pitt, or uh, Michigan State, or Indiana, or Nebraska. I don't think he'd leave for those schools. It's gonna be the big ones that are gonna try to take him at some point. But I do think he'll stay here for five years. So thank you so much, Bill, and thank you for the five star review. We have two more questions. The first one is from Patrick Tolan, who wants to know, why is Howard Isley not someone that you want as the next coach? I know that he doesn't have head coach experience, but neither did Halfley. So my question, my answer for why I don't want Howard Isley is because, as I just kind of mentioned, was basketball and football are in totally different positions. You can get a young coach at the football level that can fix a program like BC that was 6-6, six and six, right? They're, they're bot- they weren't bottoming out. They're not a team that has been the basement of the ACC as much as you know, opposing fan bases like to say it. BC was a consistent bowl team. That's a big deal. And to get up to that next level, they're not that far off. So you could take a, a risk and try to get that young coach like Halfley to bring them up. Now, as we've seen with, you know, Steve Donahue with basketball, basketball is much further off. My Basketball has to jump quite a bit to become relevant again. You know, their NET rating and their Ken Palm ratings are near the the bottom of everything in terms of rankings and offense and defense and just overall rankings. They're just not good. And so to take a Howard Isley, it's going to – your risk-reward is much, much bigger than – what it would be with an established coach. So if you brought in a coach, say you you say you you hit gold and you got Kevin Willard in here, he would be able to bring this program around much quicker and much and you would have less risk than if you brought in Isley, which you don't know what he can do as a head coach yet. You know, we don't know what he how he react, reacts, how he builds a program. So you don't at this point you can't really take that gamble with a young coach. And I know I said before that I wanted Isley, but I've, I've kind of come around with that. So Patrick, that's my answer for that. Now, my final question of the, of the evening is from Tom Began. And Tom wants to know, with the bat, men's basketball coaching change, is there any reason to be concerned with Gianni Thompson's commitment? Also, any other recruits on the radar before th- th- this that haven't been reported on recruiting databases? 
So Thompson has signed with Boston College. So he's a member of the BC team. Now, uh, new recruits that have a new coach that comes in, I believe they can transfer right away. And I think that any player can transfer right away. So there's a risk. There's definitely a risk. I think it's going to be all based on who Boston College hires. You know, if if they get a guy in who can talk up the program and talk, show the vision of what he could do for this program, I think Johnny, Johnny Thompson will stay. However, if he doesn't click and maybe he doesn't, you know, mesh with what this coach d- says. There's two possibilities, right? He could just leave right away and say, I don't want to deal with this. I'm leaving. Or Thompson could stick around, find out that it's not working, and then transfer at the end of the year. Now, I'm not sure where he stands because we don't know who the coach is yet. So there's a possibility. I, I have to say there's a possibility that Gianni Thompson transfers. There's, there's a At this point, there's an odds that any of these players have transferred. I saw uh, CJ Felder tweeting out the eyeball things the other day, and I was like, oh, God, is he going to transfer too? You know, we already have Rich Kelly going. We have uh, Winston Tabbs leaving. There's a possibility that it could be a max ex- mass exodus. So hopefully Boston College will start to finalize their coaching search soon so that they can stop this before it gets really bad. So that's my thoughts on the mailbag today. Thank you all for asking questions. This was great, and I appreciate all of your um questions and, and comments and if you have been a commenter and send me questions on, or, or thoughts on twitter or on the website again i recommend you all head over to bcbulletin.com and become a commenter um it gives you direct access access to me i re- try to respond to almost any comment on there um so if you you know sometimes on twitter i get a little overwhelmed with all the stuff on there and i don't respond to everything but if you go to bcbulletin.com you just scroll a little past some of those obnoxious ads and right down there something called discuss uh you just sign up with your twitter handle and you can you can be a commenter right away super easy to do it's a lot of fun and i respond to everything on there and it's it's becoming a nice little community so check out bcbulletin.com head over there to be a commenter so this weekend we have a ton of sports going on on monday i'll be back to talk more about the coaching search all the sports that happened during the weekend and anything else that broke any news that broke so take care everyone and have a nice weekend